Hey, this is Dustin Tarr, and you are listening to the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Wayne to Ring, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up that mountain called wrestling. And by, you know, our fourth season, the 300th and something episode, I would just think you would just say, with me, I am your Sherpa, because just like your tribal chief, acknowledge me. But like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can, and that's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering. So who's entering the ring today? You can find this man at Voltage. You can find this man at 1CW, ESPW, any well, new era. You can find this man at FW. You can find him at RWA, NWA, CWFNROH. He is one-third the captain, the co-founder, the incredible Tar Dynasty, and he is the man of myth legend himself, Dustin Tar. That was amazing. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. No, I appreciate you coming on the show because we met at Voltage, and it was like the first time we got to meet, and it was just like, it was like an instant, like, bond like connection and then we were just like having fun just having a great conversation and stuff and then we just started seeing each other like everywhere <laughs> yeah, i think we actually the bond we we started talking about fitness and it, mm. our first conversation was not about wrestling you and i just sat down and started talking fitness because you're a personal trainer yeah i'm a personal trainer and that's what we do i mean that's what we talk we talk about fitness and nutrition and we just started we started rapping about that and the next thing I know, every show that I am on, you're there. And we're, I mean, and I, we had never met before Voltage, correct? I had never crossed paths with you. No. <laughs> a long time. I've never crossed paths with you. We met at Voltage last year. I believe it was September, maybe. And then every show since then, you've been there, man. Every event since then. So that shows that you're doing big things, man, because you're everywhere. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And it's, it's crazy because, like, Doing this for like three years and just like getting getting into the business and then like trying to find my way around and like at least in the DMV it's uh it's crazy because there's like a lot of promotions and then like you kind of have to learn the rules of the road like the hard way like because you understand like there's certain people that are like you know you could work here but you can't really work there and you could do this but I can't really use you here and you're like there's just a lot of unwritten rules that I'm just kind of like. All right, whatever. It is Virginia, North Carolina, areas like that are territorial. They still, they kind of uh, abide by some of the old school, more outdated rules. Look, man, we're independent contracts. So we should be able to work anywhere we damn well please, right? I, right. I would never, you know, I don't, there's, in my mind, there's not, I don't have any promotions that, you know, uh, you know, I have heat with or anything like that. There's no bad blood with any me and anybody else. So I, I think we should all be, it should, it's about love and working everywhere and enjoying everybody, you know, everybody and, and making friends. It's, we're a big frat, man. And we, you know, we need each other. It's the whole idea is I need you to look good. You need me to look good. We need to protect each other. It's a brotherhood, right? Should be easy to get booked everywhere, right? It shouldn't matter where you're at, where you, where you, you know, where you've been. Should be easy to get booked, booked everywhere. Some some promotions do still fly by those old school rules, so I understand what you're saying. But in three years, I, I'm going to tell you, like, it's not easy to get booked everywhere. Like, you you really do have to, uh, you know, you have to, you, and you're you seem to be really on point with your self promotion and. And, and getting yourself out there, and it's a testament to you because three years you've been doing this, and I've seen you in the last eight months or so every which way. That's great, man. That's I didn't. I thought you've been doing this longer than three years. Nah, it's it's uh it's the I guess it's because like uh, I had a I don't I can sound really weird and pretty fucked up when I say it like this, but I had a life prior to this, like being in the military and like learning how to network, and then being a military brat as well, like. You're always going to new schools and stuff like that. So you're always learning how to network and like gain friends and keep friends and keep connections that you may need at this place, at that place. Cause then, you know, you can utilize relationships later. So it's, it's been one of those things and just been kind of like a, a people person and just being able to talk to people. And then also it kind of helps to have a podcast that you could be like, Hey, you want to get yourself over on this podcast? Like <laughs> we could talk. 
Absolutely. And I, and I think here's, here's another reason you and I bonded really quickly. Also a military brat and also had a military career before the, well, during this, I should say, I, I started in the business at 14 years old. So I was already in the business when I, when I joined the Marine Corps and, and wrestled all through my time in the Marine Corps. So, but again, like I lived that life that you lived as well, like that, that military life and that military brat life where you move all over the place, you know, three different schools in a year and that kind of thing. And you have to make friends like that. You have to, you have to network and, and learn very quickly. Also something that we didn't talk about that I kind of just want to see your genuine reaction, right? Uh, both of us live around Massachusetts. We, yeah. So, well, I, again, growing up a military brat, we were all over the place. And that's one of the, I would say that's the first place that, that my brothers and I, we fell in love with. And we, you know, it's, I mean, we're, we're mass freaks. So every, everything is, everything is Boston, Massachusetts. Every, every sport, every, you know, everything we do, you know, and I, I, you know, you don't have an accent either. And I, I I would attest that to being a military brat, moving all over the place. I never settled long enough to develop an accent really. So. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, neither did I. I I guess we lucked out in a way. (laughs) <laughs> but it's funny because like my wife is from Massachusetts. So she's from like the the uh the Wissa area. The funny part is is that when we when I got out of the military, that was the first place I moved to was Massachusetts. In fact, the first job, and I think a couple of you guys out there probably pay attention to the episode, know this by now, but the first job I applied for out of the military was to be a writer for the WWE. I was no like, I that's yes, that's that's what I want to do. It's like I want to be in the E. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Did you get any, was there any feedback that you got from it? Did you, uh, did you submit anything? Oh, I, yeah, I submitted, like, all my work, like, all my writing documentations and everything, things that I had done, my papers that I had written in college, and, like, I just never heard back, so I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> it's like, you'll, you'll get to know me one way or another, at least you'll hear about me, rumor-wise, <laughs> that, that's what it'll be. <laughs> never but never stop. it's a climb. <laughs> But, you know, for those who don't know, like, who you are, can you let our listeners and viewers know who Dustin Tarr is? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, do you want to start you, you want to start at the beginning, like, how I broke in and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we could talk about that kind of stuff, too. Uh, well, I, I think we all have uh, we all have a story of how we discovered pro wrestling, how it came into our lives, how it fits into our lives and, and helped mold us to who we are. Um, I was a, a child of abuse, uh, sexual abuse, uh, from six years old until 13 years old. And, uh, wrestling was the first escape that I discovered. Um, you know, I was, I was probably seven or eight years old and went, you know, we went to visit a cousin who lives in the Carolinas and, uh, he was obsessed, is still obsessed with, with pro wrestling. And he was flipping through the channels and stopped on NWA you know, from uh, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling or whatever, and, and you know, it was Flair and Funk. And again, this is the, the early to mid-80s or whatever, and so it's in its heyday, you know, the Mid-Atlantic is at that point in time. And he, he stopped there on that channel, and we sat and watched it, and I was obsessed immediately. Um, I, it was, to me, it was like, uh, it was like watching real-life superheroes. Like, I you know, I was into comic books and into, you know, uh, cartoons and stuff like that, but these are real men real life that, you know, I can see on television that are, that are like legit superheroes, good guys and bad guys fighting. And I was able to lose myself in that and escape in wrestling. And I, right then I, I distinctly remember right then at like seven, eight years old deciding I'm going to do that one day. Like that's what I'm going to do. I want to be that superhero or that bad guy, whatever it may be, but I want to play that part. And uh, from then on, it was like, how do I go about doing this? And I, I mean, again, like even as a young, at like 10, 11 years old, trying to research and figure out how you go about getting into the business. And I just started going to shows, going to events as soon as I possibly could. And around that, around the time I was a young teenager, 13, 14 years old, um, an event came through my hometown uh, where we lived at the time. And uh it was the King Kong Bundy was on that card. He was the, the, the name on that card. This was 1995. So he was fresh off his uh, WrestleMania match with the undertaker. And he was the name on this card. And I just, cause I didn't know any other way. I showed up at the building at like noon. I, I waited for the ring to get there. 
the ring got there. I walked in, and I'm this 14-year-old kid with all the balls in the world, all the confidence. I don't know where this came from, but I was like, I'm, I'm just going in and talking to these grown men about wrestling because I had studied it since I was eight, seven, eight years old, and I, was, I felt like I knew, you know, I was, I was smart enough to it to know what was going on and how to approach these guys and what to say. And uh, they let me put the ring up and then let me work out at 14 as illegal as that probably was. And uh, <laughs> Bundy, Chris just happened to be around and because um, he was the, the star on that show. And he happened to see me hit the ropes and bump, and he just came over to me, and he pulled me aside, and he's like, have you ever done this before? And I'm like, no. He's like, how old are you? I'm like, 14. And uh, he's like, come with me. And he, this man had no reason to do this. I knew who he was. He had no clue who I was. We had never met before. He, you know, he just saw something in me, whatever it might have been. He took me out for ice cream. And he sat and talked to me for hours and smartened me up fully on the business and like told me where I needed to go, what I needed to do that he thought that I had. Cause I was a big kid too. I'm not a big dude now. I'm not a big grown man, but I was a big 14 year old. And, uh, and he just, you know, he was just so welcoming. And so I don't know if he felt like there was a darkness there. There was, I was hurting in some way and looking for an escape, but damn it, he gave it to me. And uh, again, he, he took me out for ice cream uh, told me that I was going to work for him that night. I then helped him with every, I was his assistant for that night, basically. And then he sent me out and was like, go here, go here, go here. Tell them I sent you, tell them this, tell them that. And he's contacted people for me along the way. And I was going to shows and selling programs, taking pictures, uh, doing uh, ring, ring jackets and robes and stuff like that. And, and finding a way until I was old enough to get trained finding a way to break into the business so that people would know who I was all around the mid Atlantic. And, uh, and we, he kept in contact with me over the years. And, uh, again, he opened doors for me and, uh, where, whenever we crossed paths, he would show me stuff. He sent me like he, uh, again, sent me in the right directions. I went to Maryland championship wrestling because of him and, and was kind of trained up there. Uh, and that's where I connected with the Briscoes with Jay and Mark. Uh, and, and this is 2001, 2002. Uh, at this point in time, they were with they were with Maryland Championship Wrestling, who was had close ties with Heavy Metal Van Hammer, who had his own ring, and he, uh, you know, the ring was in the Briscoes' uh, barn or his barn at that time, and it was they lived close enough in the vicinity. I think it was Van Hammer's barn that he had. That ring ended up back with the Briscoes at some point. Anyway, uh, so the Briscoes then trained me up a bit. Um, and then from then on, like I always was taught, like, don't never stop, you know, never stop being a sponge, always go and put different tools in your tool belt, uh, get trained by different guys, uh, train with the MCW guys with Mark Schrader, with, uh, Dan McDevitt, uh, with the Briscoes again. Uh, when I got a couple years later, this was like 2005, I got stationed in, uh, North Carolina and went and trained with Shannon Moore. Um, met him through, uh, uh, basically through the Hardys. Uh, had some friends who were who were friends who were tight with the Hardys and were all was on Matt's show at that point in time. He was doing the Matt Hardy show or the Hardy show, whatever he called it, and uh, made friends with them through the Hardy show through the the guys they had on the Hardy show with them, and uh, became tight with that group with the with the Camden North Carolina group. Uh, our camera in North Carolina group, and they sent me to Shannon's to train at the School of Punk uh, to, to brush up, basically, to get TV ready. Um, because once I got there, you know, Shannon was like, of course you got all the fundamentals. You've been to different places and been doing this for six, seven, eight years, nine years at this point now. Like, now it's just you got to get TV ready. You got to get in better shape. So I started getting in better shape then, got more TV ready through him. Uh started wrestling every weekend as opposed to, you know, once every couple of months. Uh, started wrestling every single weekend. Found territories around North Carolina, and we, we talked about the Mid-Atlantic Territory and how there are promotions everywhere. There were guys running every single week, every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in North Carolina at that point in time. So I was able to go nonstop. The whole time I was in the Marine Corps, just go nonstop around that region, around that territory, and, and basically get myself ready 
got the call from Taz and his crew when he opened the finishing school. I uh, sent, sent all my information to Taz, uh, got a call right back and was in his first finishing camp. Uh, got further brushed up and, and polished up by him uh, and spent the next year or two basically learning under the Taz tree. Uh, when I got out of his finishing school after a week there, he had TNA contact me, Impact at that point. They had just become Impact. Uh, they brought me in and did, you know, uh, a week with me basically, uh, where we did matches, dark matches. We did matches on their for their UK show, um, and and that was what like let me know. Okay, you can do this. Like you can. You, I actually, you know, had my little taste of the of the spotlight or whatever. I was like, you actually can do this. Like you aren't too small or too plain or too bland or whatever. Like you can do this as a as a professional as a as a guy paying the bills with wrestling. I uh, was doing Ring of Honor every weekend at that point in time. What stopped me? I don't know. And you said you're married, and I, thank God that you're you're already in the business and married. What, what, what uh, I guess, stunted my growth or stopped me in the wrestling business? Uh, it was, we were, again, every week, nonstop, doing Ring of Honor, doing Impact, doing, you know, indies all around uh, the East Coast. And then I met my, who would become my wife. And she was not into it at all. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, uh, so met my the one that would become my wife, and that pretty much took me out of the game for five years. Um, I probably wrestled once a year, twice a year for like the next five years until we were divorced. And by the way, we're amicable. She's you know one of my best friends. We're, we raise our kids. We have two kids that we raise together. It's, it's a beautiful situation. I'm close with her husband now, so it's like it's not a bad situation. But the whole time we were married, I just couldn't live that life. I wasn't I wasn't going to be able to to be on the road and be married and be able to be a, a father and all that kind of stuff. It wouldn't have worked. I'm, I'm too much of a, I guess, crazy wannabe rock star. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was never gonna uh, the two uh, halves were never gonna meet in the middle. So it was like once I met my I had just done. I, I'd recently done Impact and uh, uh, Ring of, was doing Ring of Honor every week, doing Ring of Honor television, doing dark tapings and stuff, or the dark matches for their tape stuff, Ring of Honor, and was at the gym one day, and I, I managed the gym at this point in time as well. That was my shoot job, is I managed the gym. And this beautiful spin instructor came in to work for us, and I fell madly in love, and that was that was it. Like, I, I came, I pulled myself off the road. I was like, all right, I'm going to try and be domesticated now. And for the next five years, I was. And then we split. And I, ever since then, I've been working my way back to trying to work every, trying to get to the point where I can work every weekend again. And finally now, as of 2023, I can, I am working every weekend again, like nonstop. And that's why you're seeing me, you know, everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah, it is it is funny too because like there's like a lot of stuff like we kinda have to like touch back on and talk to, right? It's like wrestling is like it seems like wrestling is at least for people in the business, and I, I know some fans who are that way too, like super fans, right? But like wrestling is like their mad escape. Like they want to be a part of they want to get away from whatever it is that's bugging them or whatever's like troubling them for that that day, that hour, that week, that year, right? So they're always looking forward to like something that's going to be on TV, whether it's Raw or SmackDown or Indie Show or Ring of Honor or WrestleMania, right? Because that just happened. Um, but you're they're always seeing stuff. So you're always looking for, like, that escapism that you want to get through. And then, like, as you, like, like, for me, when I when I finally decided that I wanted to get into the, the business, it only happened by accident. And it was because I was in the gym one day, right? Let's, let's be front. My daughter told me I was squishy. That's why I even just started going to the gym. I randomly ran into this guy who was wearing a John Cena, John Cena t-shirt. And then we started talking wrestling only to run into him again later, um, later on a, a couple months later in a grocery store asking him what he did. And he was just like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a wrestler. And I was like, like a pro wrestler. And he's like, <laughs> not exactly. And so I was like, all right, well, what, how do I get to meet where you are? And it was because of going there, which led me to sicken which then led me to like branching out and figure out how to get through this whole thing. So it's kind of crazy to like think like everybody has like their own little unique way of like getting in or even just finding their way through. And then, you know, like you said, 
you got married and I'm, I'm grateful that I have a wife who is a hundred percent understanding about like following your dreams and just like chasing after them. Right. Because for those who don't know my wife, right. She is a dolphin trainer, but at three years old, she made that decision and she was just like, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. So it's similar to you, right? Like eight years old, you're like, I'm going to be a wrestler. So she did that and she just chased after it. So she's very like, AO. while you're trying to do this, at least have a good shoot job to help to like pay bills and stuff like that so i'm like hey oh no i totally understand but yeah it's it's crazy to think about like the journey and the way that you make your way through everything and the way you do everything because it's it's weird because you find like all these little connections and stuff like that with people that are like on a deeper meaning and then you start to really like kind of understand like oh hey like i can get i can do this and so it's it's cool to hear you talk about your journey and how like you are able to go through different schools and learn from different people because like now i'm at that point now where I have a lot of other uh, like mentors that right? are always like, hey, like I want to sit down and watch a match with you or, hey, I want to help train you in this area of where I think you could be stronger in or, hey, I want to help you with your character development. So it's like it's so cool to be able to like learn under like everybody else's trees, and like different aspects of like this this business. Yeah, I, and it's so it, I love hearing people's stories, like how they it, just like you said, how everybody's got a this weird like, here's how I found it. Here's how I broke into it. Here's how, you know, this person led me to this, which led me to this. It, it's, I mean, it's so rare that you find the straight up story where it's like, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I went to college and got out of college and had my shoot job and just decided, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start wrestling training. And then it's like, nobody just has the regular boring story. It's always <laughs> wild. Like, this is how I found it. Or this is, my, this was my escape from so-and-so you know i love i love hearing everybody's story i love hearing how everyone broke in you know and i i, I man i i wish that uh you know i don't want to misrepresent my ex-wife you know i she's uh she's just a she's a go-getter she she has been and she's a lot like your wife where she knew what she wanted she wanted to be a nurse from the time she was a little girl so she just committed to that and it was like and that's such a stable job I guess that she did not understand wanting to be a rock star from Mars. You know what I mean? Like she didn't understand that. Like, and with me, there was no backup plan. I didn't have a, I was like, I will manage a gym so that I get a free gym membership and I will wrestle every weekend of my life until I'm dead. Like that was my plan. <laughs> so then you meet, then I met a stable woman for the first time in my life. Who's like, you know, has a, a real life career that she's been prepping for since she was little. And, you know, she's incredibly successful. She, she now runs five different cardiac rehab centers. So this is like, this is a, a, a and she's a self-made woman. So it's like, you know, she was never, we're just so different. We're diametrically opposed, you know, she, which is what that was a lot of the attraction. And that was a lot of the reason that it did not work. You know, she just, she was not going to understand that, live life by the seat of your pants thing that I followed and I was never going to be thrilled enough by the boring lifestyle that she followed I guess (laughs) like I hate to misrepresent her and say you know she just didn't get it but you know we didn't get each other in that way you know and so so for for five years I tried you know I tried really hard to do the whole domestic thing and and I and you know, we did the best we could, but we were just, in the end, we were just too different. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I'll ever find that woman who uh, also loves to live life by the seat of her pants. And it's like, hey, everything's a magic carpet ride, man. But whatever. (laughs) If I don't, I don't. Who cares? But yeah, like, um, I I wish that I never would have stopped. I wish that I would have said, you know, this is just who I am, you know, rather than trying to fit into, you know, square peg in a round hole or whatever. But um, you're, you're very, I, I know that you said you're like, I'm glad you realize how lucky you are in that where your wife completely gets it, you know, living your dream and all that kind of stuff. I love it. It's, it's funny. Sorry. I was, I was going to say, it's funny. Cause you're like, you're talking about like this, like fly by the seat of your pants. And I think it's just something that we have bred in us because of one being military brats. And then two being in the military ourselves, like, it's this whole hurry up and wait process where like, we're always ready. Like, I'll be real. Like, there's only one thing missing in my bag right now. My bag's actually in my car. So the only thing missing in my bag right now is my knee pads. That's because I just washed them. Because, you know, we're always in the aspect of like, and and I hear a lot of people say this, that if 
you know, you don't have to be ready if you're always ready. And that's like, we're always, and you and I will both be like, well, duh, because that's what we're, we do. We just, we can get up and go in a, in a hurry. And that's where we come from is, is that military side of like, hey, hurry up and wait. Like, hurry up, get your stuff ready and just wait to be ready to go. Like, you don't have to get ready because you're already ready. And I think that's, that's, that's a hard concept for people to understand because some people want to have everything kind of like planned out. And mind you, I do like, I keep it like you, you do the same thing. Cause I see your, I see your posts all the time on Facebook where you're talking about exactly where you're going to be at every, you know, for every show that you're working at. And then every once in a while, there's going to be a pop-up show where you're just like, Hey man, I got to go. And like, I think people, it's very hard for people to realize like, Oh, Hey, like one, you can make a living out of this if you put in the work, but two, like the other part of it is that like, if you're not going to, if you can't live off your dreams, find something to substitute in there, supplement that so that you can. And it's to me, like, I know my wife is, she always looks at me kind of weird, like, oh, like, I don't, I don't understand. But she gets the fact that like, hey, like, just whatever, go chase your, go chase after it. Like, I don't like the fact that you're gone all the time, but I understand why you're gone all the time. I don't, I don't know who I would be without this. I don't, I, I, you know, my brothers and I talk about it all the time. We, we don't, like, who would we be? And, and how lucky are we that we get to do that? We get to go and, and pretend to be bad guys every weekend and, and, you know, play fight in our underwear for money. You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that we get to live it. And my parents don't understand it. You know, our parents don't get it. And our, you know, our significant others have never gotten it. But, but like, that's just who we are. And I don't know who I would be. I mean, look at me right now. I'm in my car. I spend the majority of my life in my car. That's another thing. My ex-wife who again is one of my best friends and knows me as well as anyone. She will never understand how I spend the majority of my life in my car and like how I don't keep lists like she keeps and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like everything is not planned to the minute. And it's like, Oh, I gotta be ready. Like my gear is in the back of my vehicle right now. And I'm, I mean, it's just, because it's Friday, right? Like, and I've got, like, we got, I got to be in, uh, where am I tomorrow? Nashville, North Carolina tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's just, we are on the go nonstop. It's in that hurry up and wait thing. Like, basically, my whole week is like looking at my watch, like, yeah, what day is today? Okay, it's, it's almost, it's almost time to get on the road. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, I mean, I'm lucky that I have a job and I'm sure you you probably can say the same thing we're lucky we have a job where we kind of can make our own schedules I'm off every single Saturday and I can be off Friday and Sunday if I need to be as well and it's like I and I have insurance and I can be on the go non-stop like we're very fortunate I don't know what my life would be or who I would be or what kind of father I would be or what kind of attitude I would have towards life if I couldn't do this I just I don't know I don't I, I don't want to know either yeah, I think for me, where it came from, too, is that, like, you know, like, four years ago, man, well, I don't say four years ago, five, five, six years ago, like, I got at my heaviest, I was, like, 230, and I was just depressed, like, I was, like, this is as good as it's gonna get for me, and I just couldn't imagine anything, and faithfully, you know, fate threw me an ace and was, like, here's your kid saying some wild ass shit to you, and now you gotta go out and figure it out, and, like, I did. And one thing led to another, led to another door opening, letting some more doors opening. And then like, I started feeling more confident about myself and getting more excited about things that I was doing. And then I hit the ring. I brought my wife to like the very first dark art match that I was a part of where I was in the rumble and I just got thrown over. But you know, she was like, and, and to be fair too, right? Like she was waiting for like eight hours and it, that wasn't fair for her because she didn't know what to expect. Neither did I. Right. But then like now that I'm on like a whole different scene and a whole different circuit, like I was like, man, like, and I told her, I was like, I want you to come be a part of this one show and just see what it's all about. You're going to see like a whole different story. My daughter gets it because she she's been to like numerous shows where she's watched me go out and perform and she loves watching me go out and perform. So it's like once you kind of get like you kind of see like where everybody comes from, like er then you start to build like everything else that's going to be happening. I know uh, like recently because, uh, you know, you know, we were both personal trainers. My fitness director brought my coworkers to one of my wrestling events in Bel Air, Maryland. And once once he saw me like in my let's be real in our element, like when he saw my element, he was like, oh, bro, 
he's like, we have so much that we need to change in your workout program. And he was like, we have to the way you move, we have to change the way you lift, we have to change the way you look. Like he's like, you already look good. He's like, trust me that he's like, but we want to work on your explosion. We got to work on your quick feet. We got to work on this. We got to work on that. And like he 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 instantly got it. And he's like, you got it. And he and this is the one thing he told me. And I was like, damn, I didn't even think about this like this. But he's like, you have to stop lifting in the gym like you're trying to look good, like you're every other dude in there. And start lifting like a pro athlete. So we're changing your workouts. And I was like, okay. And at that point, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is, I never even thought about myself in that aspect. And then all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, I have to think about myself. You do. You're paid, you're paid, you get paid to be an athlete. So we're professional athletes. I mean, it's, and I, it took me a long, took me several years to figure out I need to look, act, walk, talk work like a world-class athlete and so i have to change my health my fitness nutrition needs to rotate around that it needs to be all about that like so he's absolutely right and it took me so long to figure that out if if i had one if i have one regret i don't like that word but if i had one regret it's it's that it's that i i wish i would have taken myself seriously like that sooner in my journey and focused more on fitness and nutrition, eating properly and training properly for the ring, for television, you know, to be TV ready. It took me so long to do that. I mean, I was already 10 years into the process when I was, when I got with Taz, when I got with Shannon, like it was, we were always, we were already 10 years into the process and they're like, dude, like what's separating you from the guy in the front row? Nothing. You're both huge wrestling fans. You're an athlete. Sure. But like, do you look like Randy Orton? Do you look, you know, like it's, you need to look like a world-class athlete. You need to, to carry yourself like a world-class athlete. You need to take this shit seriously, you know? And I, and I wish I would have done that sooner. You know, I wish, I, I wish that would have been kicked into my head sooner in the journey. I guess I never, I, didn't, I always wanted to do this on, on this level. Certainly. I guess I never thought I could reach the next level. You know, I, I, I didn't have that kind of confidence in myself. Like, you know, I guess it's a facade. You carry yourself with this confidence when you're out there. And, you know, all of us want to be like that guy on television, but do we all think we can be that guy on television? You know, whether it's the guy getting his hand raised or taking a pinfall or whatever, do we think we can be that guy? It took me a long time to realize like, yeah, okay, we can be that guy. Like you can be that guy. I can be that guy. My brothers can be that guy. Like we can, you just have to prepare yourself properly took me so long to get that through my head you know it took the right guys kicking it into me basically and it was yeah tough love is what it is like you know it was i think shannon shannon moore is the first one that said it and then again like shane helms is another i I was tight with that whole carolina crew shane helms is very gruff and he's probably the the meanest of the of the crew and he would say like you know you look like a guy sitting in the third row like I, sh- I should be selling you a hot dog, not fighting you in the ring. Oh, okay. I get it now. Like, tough love. Okay. So it, it, and it took that. It took that a couple, hearing that a couple of times to really get my butt in gear. And that fitness journey is such a big part of it. I was going to the gym, just like you said you were, but it's like, did we really know how to train and eat for this? It's a different, a different animal. Yeah, and it was it was crazy to be to think about because like even on so like I shared this fun story right so uh, Chaz who is a like I'll be real with when it comes to this podcast he's my ride or die but he's also my best friend like we are pretty open with like everything I brought him to the gym with me one time to, well actually I'm not gonna lie I, I lied came a couple times but every time that he came with me like he was just leaving sore and like to the point where he was like laying on his bed and he was like I can't move he's like my body's just too bad right. And I was like, yo, that's crazy, but we got to be training like this. And I was training like five days a week. And I thought like I was like in good shape up until last week where (laughs) my my trainer gave me a new workout program to do. And man, I tell you, like, and I get it. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 37 turning 38. Right. But I'm still, I'm just trying to figure out how to start training like an athlete. And it was the, it was like all the explosion exercises I was doing and my quads and hamstrings were fried for two days. And I was like, yeah, this is not, this is not what I thought this was going to be. And then 
coming back last week or this last week and hitting the second week of programming and doing, and my legs weren't as sore. I was like, Oh, Oh, we're getting there quicker because like the body's already being used to being hit like this. And then not even just like knowing on the physical side. Right. But then like, I I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be, I, I, I will say I'm blessed, right. To have someone like Jason, he like in my life. Right. Because I run all my character stuff by him and then I run all my character stuff by Chaz. Chaz has a degree in acting. So I definitely know that if I'm, if I'm missing like a facial or something like in a promo, he's quick to pick it out. But Jason is there to help me build up like this world around Red Dog and like teach me like how to be better as a performer. And then like, I, then I know I can go hit up someone like Mark Haro and ask him more about like, hey, even though I know I can go, I can always go to Sicken about anything that's wrestling related, but sometimes you just want to hear from a different voice. So I can go to Mark and be like, hey, Mark, uh, what am I doing wrong? Can you tell me, tell me two things I need to do right? And then usually it's like, hey, you know, your footwork can be better and your storytelling ability can be better. And then those things are starting to click. So like I'm seeing all this stuff that I'm putting all this work into and like building this world up around me. And then I just I can see how much bigger like Red Dog can get. And so like when you ask that question, like, do you think you're ready for a next level? I could tell you, honestly, not this year. But who knows about next year? Because there's a lot of work that's gone into this, like from everything from like having black tights originally and noticing how many people have black, all black tights to now wearing like just bright red tights and having people stare at you like, your stuff looks like Deadpool. I'm like, I know, <laughs> that's the point. Cause now but you notice me. You're, you're putting different tools in your tool belt. And they, 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 you know, that's what I was told from the very beginning. Like go, you know, Bundy told me like, don't just go train, don't just go train for six months and then go out on the road and think you got it. You know, like always be learning, always be a sponge, put different tools in your tool belt, go get trained by different guys. If you can afford to, if you can afford to go to different clinics, hit all the clinics you can different guys have, look, it's all, it's all subjective, right? So like different guys are going to have different theories and different, you just, you said you go to hair, you have your original trainer that you would go to for all of your, your fundamental stuff, but then you have Harrow who you can go to and, and be like, Hey, what's your view on this? And I can tell you from experience, that guy knows what the hell he's talking about. So like, you know, he can tell, he's going to see that little stuff that, that some of us who have been in the business for decades can, can hone in on and, and tell you, okay, change this little thing, change that little thing. You're putting all those tools in your tool belt. That's going to, I mean, it, it's going to do wonders for your, for your wrestling career, for, for red dog, for, for the whole deal. It's, you know, within a year, you're going to see how much of a difference that makes when you put all those tools in your tool belt. The, uh, Jason, uh, he, you know, I, he, I hit him up because again, he, he does, I don't know where else he does uh, commentary, but he does commentary for one CW. And so whenever we get out of the ring at one CW, I'll go to Jason and be like, okay, so if I'm not making it easy for you to paint the picture and tell the story on commentary, then I'm not doing my job. So what are you seeing as a commentator that I need to change up, that I need to present in a different way so to make it easier for you to tell the story and paint the picture. And, you know, for, I bet he doesn't hear that as much as he should. He should hear that from every guy there. You know, he's, he's the one, if we're on Delmarva Sportsnet or whatever, he's painting that picture for your viewers. It should be easy for him to paint that picture of who you are and what your, what your motives are and all that kind of stuff. So, Every talent backstage should be going to Jason and saying, how can I make this easier for you? What are you seeing that I should be doing? That's genius that you're going to him and asking for things like that because he's an incredibly smart guy. Incredibly smart guy. And again, yes. I met him at Voltage the same night I met you and immediately thought, this guy is brilliant. It was it, and so for me too, like when I was sitting with Jason, so I met Jason at HWF and like, we had just like had like a small little conversation. It was nothing really like serious. I was just like, cool. And then like, and he didn't even like, so he wasn't even running the show. Like he was just kind of there. It's going to be a voice. Can I see what he can kind of do and help? And then like, I started running into him. I ran into Matt Voltage. And when I listened to him, like break down everything he wanted for the show, I was like, oh, he's, he's on a different level from everybody else. Cause you know, I don't want to, okay. I'm not going to say this badly about anybody, but there are some bookers out there that would be like, Hey, uh, 
wrestler A versus wrestler B, we have wrestler B going over in like five to 10. Whereas like Jason is like, all right, I want wrestler A versus wrestler B. Wrestler B, your story is that you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to go over dirty, but you want to get the crowd to think that you're the biggest douchebag in the world. And we're going to give you guys five, uh, 10 minutes to tell that story in. So like you have direction and then from you, it's up to you and then uh, the wrestler to obviously tell the story of what you're supposed to be doing. But it's so cool to hear someone like break it down to you, like A to Z and just say, hey, this is what I'm looking for from you. I'll tell you who he reminds me of. And, uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate myself and, and uh, my brother, Scott, uh, Aiden Chambers, uh, were, were fortunate enough, enough to be at Ring of Honor and to be doing television for them and doing dark matches for them at the time where Jim Cornette was in charge. Um, and Jason reminds me a lot of Corny. Um, Corny will, when he was booking the shows, uh, producing the shows, whatnot, he would have his top talents. Now, you know, Delirious had a group of guys that he would agent for and produce. And then Adam Pierce had a group of guys that he would produce. Jim Cornette would produce the top guys. And we got lucky enough to be under the learning tree there. And we'd be working out in the room. We'd make sure that we were close whenever Corny was pulling the guys aside to tell them what he wanted from them on that particular set of tapings. And, you know, Ring of Honor, we would take three shows per weekend. So, you know, over a Friday and Saturday or whatever, or Saturday, Sunday, whichever it was, we would tape a number of shows. We'd tape three shows a day. And then, you know, they would play in chronological order on HDNet at that point in time. And Cornette somehow knew, again, the world building that he did at Ring of Honor at that point in time, it was masterful. And he knew exactly where he wanted to go with everyone, all of his top talent. And we got lucky enough to sit under the learning tree and we would – sit and listen to him break down exactly what he wanted, the world that he was building, the story that he was trying to tell to his top talents from A to Z. And then we would, after the shows, we'd all stay at the television hotel, which was an old broken down, beat down holiday inn on the, you know, about a mile away from ECW arena where it was, it was the old ECW television uh, hotel, which they've since tore down. It's a shame too, because yeah, it was an eyesore and it was just a, dirty, gross place, but lots of history there. But, but this hotel had a diner attached to it, and so we'd all go to the hotel after television, and then we'd go to the diner and eat, and we would sit and listen to Jim Cornette for hours just talk about the business after the show. And Jason reminds me a lot of him. I, I haven't told Jason that he's probably taken a huge compliment. I haven't told him this yet, but he reminds me a lot of Corny, the way he sees things and his world building and the way that he wants to produce talent and the way that he's trying to paint the picture and tell the story. Very much like Jim Cornette. That's about the highest honor I could give somebody. And, and Jason, immediately I saw that in him because uh, he did, uh, I believe he had a lot to do with a company called Flying V, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a brilliant, uh, you know, concept. Uh, you know, and it's a shame that it went away. Uh, but when I when I connected with him at Voltage, I immediately let him know, like I I really appreciated what you were trying to do with Flying V. And you know, he's like, oh really? And we started talking a bit about the business then. And again, like I immediately I was keyed into how smart this guy is. And again, the highest uh, praise I could give him is he reminds me a lot of Jim Cornette. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree that he's got like he's a, he's a, a master of like I know he's gonna be like what he's like I'm not I'm, I'm still trying to scratch the surface but to me I'm like yo where I'm I'm respectively where I'm at like hey, he's like an Albert Einstein of this business and I'm still kind of like scratching my head like a Neanderthal like just beating myself with a rock trying to hope that I could find something new. Um, <laughs> one of my questions I love to ask people right is. So you've been in, right, since you were 14. You've been in for quite some time. And my question I love to ask is, what's the hardest lesson you've had to learn being in the business? Um, <clears throat> the hardest lesson I've had to learn uh, is that, you know, it's funny. Uh, so when I was at Impact, this was, this was a, a smack in the face. When, when, we, were, when we did Impact, um, and again, I was there for a week. And that whole time that you're there, you're trying all this stuff thinking, you know, there's something they want to see, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it, there's something that the, the, at that point in time running impact, it was Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff and 
brilliant guys. Not going to take anything away from them. You know, uh, Dixie was was the, for lack of a better term, the money mark. You know, she her family was was providing all the all the cash flow, and uh, Vince Russo was running creative, and Eric Bischoff was producing the top tier talent. And it's like you're thinking the whole time you're there, you're like they're looking for something in particular, right? And you're you're we're trying all this stuff from the from the time you get there. I don't know if you've done have you done TV for anyone? Have you have you never been lucky enough? Okay, so yet you haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah. There, I promise you. So when you do things like this, you, you're you're going through the ringer basically the whole week you're there. Number one, it's you you have to go against everything that in your body to not walk on eggshells because you want to look like you belong. But the whole time you're walking on eggshells thinking, I don't want to do or say the wrong thing because all the politics that are involved here, you never know who you're going to piss off, which is another hard lesson. Politics are always a hard lesson to learn. But you're trying to do that. At the same time, you're trying to show them something that you think they want to see, right? So whether it's in the ring, you're, you're filming, you're doing pre-tapes the whole time you're there. So you're, you're basically, at, when, I, when I got there, I was, it was D'Lo Brown holding a microphone interviewing me about who Dustin Tarr was and you know into the, usually they will set it up where one of the top talents burst into the scene and start to cut a promo on you and they want to see how you react on the fly with me it was Ken Kennedy he burst into the or Ken Anderson burst into the scene and and starts to cut a promo on and I fire right back at him and I thought that went well and the whole time you're thinking okay what do they want to see from me what do they want to hear from me all this kind of stuff you get in the ring and you work and you try and put your best foot forward and and do the best you can do and the whole time you're like you're you're so tense and you're so like oh my god like it's it's exciting and it's a blast don't get me wrong it's so much fun to do stuff like that and have that experience but the whole time you're thinking they want to see something and I'm going to find that something they want to see sitting in the back and we're you know in the trailers they had say the back it's not really a locker room back there they at the studio they have trailers and, sh- and stuff like that that you're sitting in getting dressed and we're getting dressed back there and we're talking and uh amongst ourselves and i don't know if you, uh he went by d'angelo De- 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 De Niro and in, in impact he's uh elijah burke right mm. so remember elijah burke d'angelo De, De Niro, the pope i believe is what he is now um so he hears us talking about like what we can show them because we're going we're going over what we're going to do for our match and the guy that i'm working is trying to get me a job and he's like you know what can you do that's going to get you a job like what you know what can you do that's going to jump out and and bert just stops us you know he's like just stop he's like before you overthink this i just want y'all to know this isn't new york they have no clue what they want to see until they see it not they don't have a, any preconceived notions they don't have any clue they're not they're not looking for this fundamental or that fundamental it's not it's not like this chess match that you're having with these guys they have no clue what they want to see until they see it and i'm like holy crap that's what this is like that's what the so much of the business is i don't know what it is that i want to see from you until i see it and then it's like oh you you happen to like just by chance step into the perfect you know transition and it looks this way i'm like oh that's that's exactly what i was looking for but whoever is producing it whoever is the the agent whoever is the the guy in charge they have no idea what it really is that they want to see until they see it they have no idea what gimmick they're looking for until they see that gimmick it's it's really it's so much of a crapshoot and it's not always the most talented guy that gets the that gets the, the flowers it's not always the guy who can talk a streak that gets the flowers. It's not always the guy who is the most fundamentally sound in the ring. And I think I'm pretty fundamentally sound in the ring. That's not going to get me anywhere. It's being in the right place at the right time and them seeing just the right thing that they have no idea they want to see until they actually see it. It is such a crapshoot. It's such a chance thing, a luck of the draw thing. Yeah, you got to have all your ducks in a row. And you've got to work really, really hard at this. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's a lot of fun, but it's not easy. And you have to be fundamentally sound. And you have to train so hard, right, to get fundamentally sound. And you have to work on your promo. And you have to work on your in-ring stuff. And it has to be like, you have to obsess. But the thing is, you can obsess and obsess and obsess and obsess. And 
you know, guy B could come along and say just the right thing or do just the right thing that they had no idea that they wanted to see or wanted to hear until they heard it and he gets the job over you. That is a tough pill to swallow. That's a really hard, and, and that's like at every level. That's not just with the WWE and with Impact, with Ring of Honor, with AEW, with all these different promotions. That's at every level. That's at every indie I've ever been to. I didn't realize it until, until Pope said it, but like, that's at every level. Like Sean Hardy at 1CW, he doesn't know what he wants to see until he sees it. And then he's like, that kid's got it. That kid, like, I, I didn't know it until I saw it. That kid, that kid, he's got it. So he's going to, he's going to be in our main event next week or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? They, you don't know what you want to see until you see, because we, so much has been done. You know what I mean? There's, it's, it's been done and done over and over again. Like it's been rehashed and there's been the sequel and the sequel to that, and the sequel to that. So like we really, until we see it, until it jumps off the screen at us, we don't know. We don't know what we want to see. You know, like I, I, like I, I watch, I watch your stuff. You know, since we met, I try and watch your, your stuff in ring. And I try and watch your, your promos, your podcasts, everything that you've got. Anybody that works as hard as you do at this whole mass media thing, I try I, I try to be a good brother. And I try to, you know, watch all of it and consume all of it because I'm obsessed with this shit. So, so like, I, I try and consume all of it that I can. And some things that you've said have jumped off the screen to me. And I'm like, ah, you know, I didn't even realize that I wanted to hear that or see that until just now. Some things that you've done. Your gear. I, you know, and I, I love your gear, the, the changes you made in your gear and whatnot. I love the red. I love the whole, the whole gimmick, the whole getup. What did I say to you the other week? I said, why do you wrestle with a top on? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, there was two parts. There was one, like, why do you have a top on? And two, why do you wrestle in full tights? That was the other one too. And I was like, I, I remember like my answer back was because I'm self-conscious. Right. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, he has no reason to be self-conscious. Not, and you, what did your, your uh, director of fitness, right? Said to you, you look great. You already look great, dude. So it's like, and, and I, listen, I struggled. I, I was a 300 plus pound guy for a long time. So I struggle with that same thing. You know what I mean? Like I still got the stretch marks to prove it. So I get it. I totally get it. Totally understand. I've been there, you know, it's, and, and your gear. And again, that the whole Deadpool look, I dig it. It's not that I don't like it. I was just curious. I'm like, kid's got a good body. I don't know why he's covering it up, but I, you know, didn't know that I wanted to see that type of gear on somebody. I like that type of gear. I, I don't think it would work on me, but I like the type of gear. So it's like, you don't, you don't know what you want to see in someone or on, until you actually see. It. And that's at every level, every facet of this game. And that's, again, that's such a hard pill to swallow because it's such a crapshoot with like, because we put so much thought into what we're going to do. Like how much do you prep when you, like, are you working tomorrow night anywhere? Uh, no, I won't be, but I will be, game uh studying film we'll put it that way i was like game tape <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say how much thought and and preparation do you put into if you've got a match coming up in a week we put so much thought and prep into that people don't realize that people don't understand how much film we watch how much youtube we watch now thank god it's easier to get nowadays than when i started my god i i listen i, st- I there were i still remember the days of sending my vhs tape around to people so you know, this is the whole YouTube thing is still a sensation for me. Thank God that we have YouTube and we can consume it in that way. But like I put so much, and I know you do too, we put so much prep into this. My brothers and I will be on the road tomorrow morning. And I guarantee you from the second they get in the car with me, we'll be watching film studying because my brothers are working the extreme horseman PQ, uh, uh, Preston Quinn and C.W. Anderson. I'm working Victor Andrews, who I've worked a couple of th- a couple times, and I know what he brings to the table. We'll be studying their stuff for the entire five, six-hour ride, however it is, and we'll be talking about what we're going to do. And we've been prepping all week long. for the, And we, I mean, we are working every single week. So it's like as soon as Saturday's over, Sunday starts prep for that next week. So it's like, you know, we put so much time and thought and prep into everything from what we're going to do in the ring, how we're going to make our entrance, what we're going to, what we're using for theme music, what we're wearing. And again, like I have every type of gear in the world, you know, every color. 
shirts and my brothers have stuff to match me. So it's like, okay, what are we wearing today? Camo, green, red, black, whatever. We're putting so much prep into it, but really it's such a crapshoot. It could be anything. We could flip a coin on what we're going to do. And that, whatever that lands on could be what so-and-so needs to see. And suddenly we're at the next level. And that is such a hard pill to swallow. That I think is the hardest pill to swallow that I've had in the entire business is that it's such a crapshoot. It's such a luck of the draw type thing. It's right place, right time, right situation. And I look at it, it does make it, it does make this easier to digest. I've had several shots. I've had several opportunities at the, at the top level, like with impact with ring of honor, uh, you know, Scott's been to the WWE, like we've had our opportunities. Um, it just wasn't our day. You know what I mean? Like it just, it makes it easier for me to digest. And it's like, Hey, I just wasn't what they were looking for on that day. You know what I mean? It's not saying that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't good at what I'm doing or, you know, cause everybody's got, you know, the, the honest guys, the, the guys who really want you to improve are going to give you, listen, you did X, Y, and Z this way. And that's not the way I would do it. So you're going to get, no matter where you go, you're going to get honest opinions. You're going to get those, those brothers who are like, Oh, it was great, dude. And that's all you, that's all the feedback you get. I hate that. I'd rather somebody tear my shit apart. So please do. If you ever, if you, if I ever come back through the curtain and you see something you didn't like, tear that shit apart. So, so yeah, I, I, I like, I like the guys who are, who are going to really want me to get better and who really care enough to rip my stuff to shreds. When my brothers and I work, different matches and we're like okay what do you think i did wrong we will go minute by minute and tear it to pieces that's what i would expect from anybody because I, we want everybody to get better right we want and because the better you are the better our match is going to be the better the more you'll be able to protect me the more i'll be able to protect you that's what it's all about so it's i i can i can i guess rest easier knowing yes i've got my shot and i have failed i guess but it just wasn't what they wanted to see on that day. Who's to say if I didn't get picked up for some dark shots in the next six months, I could show them exactly what they want to see and be on television that next week. It's, it, it could happen to anybody. It could happen to you as easy. It could happen to me as easy. It could happen to the next guy. Like it's, it's that much of a crapshoot. It really is. And, it, and look, you said earlier, you're 38. I know people get hung up on age too. Uh, you don't look 38, so <laughs> and I and I don't move like I'm 41 either. So like I don't think I need to worry about that. <laughs> but nah. none of that matters, especially with somebody like Tony Khan, especially with an AEW out there who has given opportunities to guys who never would have seen opportunities otherwise. The things that Tony has done, and and I am always skeptical when a billionaire jumps into the business and is like, I'm going to book. And I'm going to be, I'm going to do this. I'm always skeptical, but like the things that he's done uh, for people that I love, uh, it's beyond reproach. Like I, what a class act that guy is. I mean, I, you know, that, that dude did not, that dude sat in front of me at Jamin's funeral and could not have been more classy, could not have been more humble. The CEO, the, the, the head of AEW is that in, you know, little old Delaware at, a funeral for a guy who he did not know that well. So I, you know, what a class act. And I can say that about a lot of those guys. And he, um, as far as I know, he chartered planes, jets, whatever, to get as many guys to that funeral as, as wanted to go. So I, you know, my hat's off to Tony Khan. What a class act that guy is. And the fact that he's given opportunities to so many guys who, again, would have never seen opportunity otherwise the ball is up in the air, I think, for anybody nowadays. In 2023, that opportunity is there for, for Red Dog, for Dustin Tarr, for Aiden Schaefer, for Christian Tarr, for anyone. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I agree 100%. Like, like, having someone like Tony come through kind of, like, change the game and the aspect of, like, who's going to go where, what can happen, or this, that, and the other, whatever. But it's, it, is, it is maddening to think about, like, how much time did it, cause I know for me, like you just said it yourself, right? Like all the gear that you have, right? Cause I know like for me, all my gear is in my bag and like, whether it's, and I, I call them out just by, by what they are, right? Like my blacks, my reds, and then my war gear, right? So yeah. the war gear, some people have seen, it's just straight up red camo shorts. 
that's all it is. But the funny thing, and you you mentioned this, right, about the top, right? I started playing with the idea of like, yo, I'll come out the top on. And then like, as I'm like realizing, like, I need to win this match and get into panic, something, uh, another mentor, friend, uh, friend and mentor of mine, Tyree Taylor told me, he was like, yo, you got to reach for that power up, like, you know, like Mario, right? So I was like, yo, I was like, I could unzip it, take it off. And obviously that would, because that's, it's a cliche thing. And a lot of people do it with like singlets and stuff. But I was like, but you don't see people do it with like a zipper no. as far as like, yeah. So I was like, yo, I can do that. And like, I started wrestling without a shirt on recently. And I'm like, I'm really comfortable like this again. And I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to go back to this. And we're going to go back to work in this way. It's pretty liberating to, to yeah. be able to, to work out there in front of hundreds of people with no, with barely any clothes on. It's a very, it's a liberating feeling for someone again like i've been 300 plus pounds and i've had to wrestle with my t-shirt on because i didn't feel comfortable and to be out there in as little as possible is a liberating feeling for a former fat kid you know I, I, i've been there brother i've been there so, so the whole uh unzip set the listen it worked for jerry lawler like dropping the strap that works that will pop a crowd bro so keep that in mind Definitely put that in in the in the back of your brain, and because you're gonna need it. So you guys will have this episode would have already come out. Oh no, this episode won't have come out by the time. But you know, one CW is just around the corner, so I don't know. Maybe it'll debut there, and then you guys will be like, "Oh, this was the episode Red Dog was talking about it on." Anyway, we're gonna hop into one of my favorite segments of the Three Count Podcast, and as the Three Count Podcast, ten count questions. And Mr. Tar, this is how it works. I'm gonna fire off ten questions at you rapid fast. And uh, whatever your answer is, that's your answer. Okay. All right. right. So we're going to put on the imaginary timer for add pressure. Bing! And in the words of Mike Goldberg, here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Oh, Raw. Favorite movie? Ever? Oh, my gosh. Shawshank Redemption. Let's go. Uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Favorite actor? Ben Affleck. Uh, you know, what's funny is I was going to, that was going to be my follow-up question. In case you had said anybody else, I would be like, yo, Ben Affleck or Matt Damon? <laughs> well, clearly Affleck. <laughs> he's, not, he's, still, he's still my Batman. And to me, he was maybe the best Bruce Wayne ever. I, I'm sorry. Like, I, listen, I love Michael Keaton. Don't get me wrong. And I can't wait for the Flash movie. Even though I'm not a DC guy, I can't wait for that Flash movie. But Affleck's my Bruce Wayne. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go. Uh, Apple or Android? Favorite cartoon? Oh, DuckTales. Let's go. <laughs> I'm a massive Best fan. Theme song. Best theme song, right? <laughs> Best theme song. I, you know what? Uh, no, you know what? I'm going to have to go second best theme song because... Oh, come on. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Darkwing Duck will always hold a special place in my heart. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay <laughs> Uh, hockey or football? Hockey. Favorite no podcast? <laughs> Favorite podcast the three count, baby. Right? It's not like we don't have this thing marketed like everywhere to like let people know. Like, hey, uh, nominate one person that you want to see on this show. Ooh. Okay. I got to say Aiden Chambers because he's so much of my journey has been with him. Uh, married on the road for years and years and years. He is my adopted brother from another mother. Uh, so, yeah, I got to say in Chambers, man. And then last but not least, my favorite question asked every single person who comes on this podcast. Favorite curse word? Mm, wow. Uh, you know what? I mean, what is life without fuck? I know. <laughs> That's what I try to tell people. <laughs> I don't know what life is without that word. I, I don't. I'm a former Marine, so it's every other word for me. I've tried really hard, by the way, because I wasn't sure it was okay to curse. Oh no! Like yeah, this is this is a this is a curse welcoming zone. <laughs> I've said something for years, and I know you can co-sign to this. There is no one more media trained than a former military man with children, because yeah. we have to stop ourselves from saying curse words every other minute. Otherwise, we're going to have little sailors, right? Right. Well, like, that's, like, the problem that I have, too, is that, like, I'm I'm military, plus my wife is from Massachusetts, so, like, every word is, like, a new vocabulary word. 
And when our daughter was like three or four, we were like really trying to be mindful about what we said. And now that my daughter is like 12, I'm like, I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah, just who fucking cares? (laughs) Even though she gets very quiet, like I'll be like, hey, you can say a curse, whatever you want. She's like, Shit. I'm like, all right, all right, you got one. We good, we good, we good. Still not sure though. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, but those are all my heavy hitting questions. So the last thing I need from you is to let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you. Okay. Uh, Instagram is gonna be Tar Picks with an X P I X. That's T A R R P I X. On Twitter, I'm at Tar Tweets. Uh, and then you find me on Facebook at Dustin Tar. I don't accept. I have like currently have like 200 people in the friend request thing because i don't request i don't i you know there are pictures of my kids on there so i'm careful about accepting requests if i don't know who they are um but if you send me a message let me know who you are and you know it's not just an anonymous ad attempt then uh, i'll probably accept you i definitely i definitely i think i'm at like 150 right now myself (laughs) but i'm like (laughs) careful right there's a lot of weirdos you know yeah i love you all but there's you guys a lot of y'all are weird a lot of y'all keeping that arm distance especially if you're <laughs> especially if you're writing me a message at 12 30 in the morning asking me if i'm going to be at a certain show like i'm not only going to just not answer your question just going to block you <laughs> like it's just going to happen <laughs> definitely been there you're absolutely right man Yo, but you guys know what that means. These are the last questions. He told you where you guys could find them. So like every great part of a wrestling match, we got to take it home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast. This is Down to Ring. And I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog. The man that led you up this time to call wrestling. And like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. That's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering. So who's entering? You see him right there, Dustin Tar himself. So you guys will do tune into the next episode and be there, or you're legitimately waiting for you're legitimately following us on all of our social media platforms. Just subscribe to our YouTube channel. You're following us on Spotify. You're leaving us five star frog splash reviews. You're even buying our merch over on foryourwear.com or even on prowrestlingtees.com. Just type in this free count podcast. You'll find us. And then you're telling your friends about us. You're leaving comments, likes. You're sharing this with everybody around you that you love or you hate because you don't like us. Regardless, thank you for sharing all of our stuff. And you're doing all that stuff or you're really just kind of waiting for this episode to end. You're waiting for the outro and then you're choosing another episode to listen to. Kawaii. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Talk Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. At prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show us some support, please.